Welcome back to another episode of Rank Up. This is Michael Hodge. This is part two of a special three-part series going over scheduling, executing school talks, and then actually enrolling new students from those school talks. Easily the most successful marketing action that I ever took in my full-time commercial school and one that I highly recommend to anyone who has a kids program that they're trying to build up. So in this episode, we're talking about giving legendary school talks, the type of school talks that make you known in the district. I mean, you go to an elementary school, they absolutely love it. They tell the other PE teachers or other counselors or teachers, and then you get scheduled at other schools and you're going all over the place. You're not even having to cold call all of these people. Clearly, getting your foot in the door at that first school within a district is what's a little bit harder, right? But once that happens, if you do a really good job, people are going to be talking about you. And they're going to be talking about what you do. And they're going to, they might have their own kids that they want to enroll into your school. And that's what we're going for here. We want to have that magical power of the martial arts that, that they're exciting and they're physical and they're beneficial for your body and for self-defense. But it's also teaching kids this uh, really incredible level of self-discipline and focus and respect for one another and goal setting and all the things that you already know about the martial arts, just about how, how you display it, how you present it. So today we are going to talk a little bit about some important reminders before you even do the presentation, how to actually do the presentation, and then some of the most important elements of that to make sure you're st- the, the kids actually want to come to your school and that you can enroll them as new students, okay? So a couple of important reminders. Obviously, make sure you call and confirm next week's school presentation a week in advance along with an email reminder. So if you set up the presentation with the PE teacher maybe three months ago, don't forget to have a reminder phone call and email because you'd be surprised that, you know, it should be on their calendar. Everything should be there, but always something you need to do. And remember, you're going to be giving cards out uh, to all the kids. Now, you aren't, you aren't actually going to manually pass them out after your presentation to like 100 kids. The way that it typically works or it has worked for me in the past is that you're going to give a stack of cards to each teacher whenever they come to pick up their kids at the end of the presentation. So I always have them pre-sorted. We would pre, we would count them out in advance. We would put 22 in a stack, put a rubber band around it, and they'd all be in a box ready to go. Now, you might go to a school where 25 or 30 is the average in a classroom, or you might be going to a very small school where there's only like 10, 15 kids in a classroom. So whatever you need to do, but they're already pre-sorted, pre-counted, Let's say a teacher gets a few extra, a few, you know, a few extra. That's not a big deal, right? It just makes it way simpler. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, we ended up doing so many schools that we actually had the printer pre-shrink wrap them into 22 in each stack because it saved us the time of even counting out. And we bought 10,000 flyers or something like that at a time. And, um, but you know, just depending that counting them out using rubber band is just fine. We typically did use a four by six inch postcard that looked kind of like an invitation and it was a nice looking piece. It didn't seem too salesy or marketing per se, but it was on on front. It was in English on the back. It was in Spanish, but however you'd want to do it, obviously it looked really nice. We usually use eight and a half by 11 inch full flyers when we did flyer approval. But when it came to the um, school presentations and, and the invitations for the Saturday morning event, that's what we would typically use print wise. Of course, make sure you wear your full uniform, you have your belt on, you look really nice. Bring, again, this is depending on your presentation, but I always brought a rebreakable board. I brought an actual wooden board 
and I brought a whiteboard that actually had my presentation written out on it. You might have this really nice poster that you bring with you that you use as a visual aid. Some sort of visual aid is really useful. You could even do like a PowerPoint presentation, something like that, that helps you along with it if you'd like. I mean, I never went that far with it. It wasn't necessary, although I did use a PowerPoint presentation um, for my author visit program, so uh, that actually worked quite well. And then I would also bring a shield because we would use the kick shield for a couple of uh, d demonstrations during the presentation and you might bring a target or a blocker or something that's relevant and it would be used in the presentation itself. I just want to mention that you can do this entire presentation on your own. You don't really need an assistant. I mean, if you want to bring an assistant and they help you kind of work with the kids and make sure they're all focused and sitting down and paying attention, you can do that. I mean, I went to lots of schools and did massive groups all on my own and everyone was like, well, where's your team at? Or do you not have anyone else? I'm like, no, I mean, I have instructors that work with me at the school, but I can handle this all on my own. And um, it's up to you, but I just wanted to point out it's really not necessary. You could have a better use of your time. Maybe another team member is doing something totally different throughout the day and, and this and that, or you'll take turns doing school presentations every other week. Uh, those days were a ton of energy, so tired by the end of the day. I mean, I would do seven 45-minute presentations, and I would go to the school and, let's say, teach four or five classes. I would be so tired. But by the end of the week, again, enrolling all the new students and just all the energy during the presentations themselves, it was it was a really good time, but uh, definitely something that you got to get used to the endurance of it, I would say. So you are going to be talking a lot. I always prefer to do the martial arts presentations um, just with my voice without using a microphone. Now, when I did author visits, sometimes I would use microphones, but the reason why with a martial arts presentation is we'd be yelling, I'd be changing the pitch of my voice, I'd be putting a lot of energy behind it in a way I didn't do it the exact same with my author visit. And um, But the point is, you might want to consider a wireless lavalier lapel mic and speaker that you bring with you to every event. I actually started bringing this to every school that I went to when I was doing author visits because it helped me. I had my own uh, wireless or my own speaker and then a wireless mic. It was a really nice setup. Um, but typically, you can definitely do it with your own voice. Just wanted to point that out, though, that it is an option. Obviously, be on your best behavior. Be careful not to offend the faculty, the students. This is a, a school. This is really important. You want to make sure you have a great relationship with this place for a very long time. If it's not you that's doing this presentation, if you're sending an instructor for the first time ever, please go. Make sure you're watching. Make sure that they're doing a great job, not only in the presentations, but they're not forgetting something important and that they're interacting well with everyone. Another thing I would point out is I always like to know who the principal is. So I look up who the principal is in advance. It's usually on the website of the school. Um, and if I happen to see the principal, definitely take that opportunity to introduce yourself with grace and get them to know you a little bit better. Um, that's a really important contact to have at the school. And it's great if the principal really likes who you and likes what you. I have had a lot of principals that didn't even set up the event, but they actually wrote me, hand wrote thank you notes to me and mailed them. And those were really meaningful whenever I received those because I'm like, wow, it was such a good presentation that not only did the kids love it, the faculty loved it, the, the students loved it, the principal that walked in and watched some of my presentation was so impressed and just so grateful that I came and shared my time and energy with them to receive a thank you like that. And so that always felt really good. And of course, have a very well-planned and rehearsed presentation, one that's highly beneficial to the students and one that the school will love and support. So again, it could be something along the lines 
of concentrating more, getting ready for testing, or about bullying, or about something that's highly relevant to that school, or that district, or that age level right now in time. It might be different 10 years from now. It could have been different 10 years in the past. So that's something to be uh, aware of. And it also needs to tie in the fun and the excitement of martial arts in some sort of controlled way. Because if you're just a school presenter walking in the door talking about not doing drugs or talking about cyberbullying or something, you're just a regular person. But if you're, you have your uniform on, you've got your belt on, kids are getting to do some board breaking and you're teaching some self-defense moves and they're moving around and then it's a physical, fun type of event, you're clearly going to get them to want to do martial arts more with you, which is our goal. Again, ultimately remember, our goal is to excite the students enough to want to come to our martial arts school and actually learn more from us, to actually come to that special event on Saturday morning. That's really what we're trying to do. Obviously, we want to be partners in education. We want to do a great job for everyone that's involved, but ultimately we do have a business we're running as well, and it's beneficial to be able to enroll new students, which is a top-level goal we have from this. So the presentation itself it's typically 45 minutes long. You might have a 30-minute period. You might have a 50-minute period, but usually there are 45-minute periods when I would do these. Give yourself about five minutes at the beginning for all of the classes to arrive. You're having a lot of kids walking in the door all at once. So letting them come in, they usually sit down in kind of army lines or drill lines. They're just sitting, sitting down. You know, their legs are crossed. Um, there can be a lot of energy sometimes, lots of craziness. So hopefully uh, trying to get them to where they're focused and getting prepared for the presentation. Um, the actual meat of the presentation itself is usually about 30 to 35 minutes. And then at the end, you'll want to give yourself about five minutes to do a Q&A or to talk about the event on Saturday and things like that. You never can tell what will happen. You give yourself a little bit of a buffer zone. So let's go on to part one of the presentation. Now, I'm not going to be going over a specific presentation. I've done things that or in the past, I've done like Go After Your Goals, which was a goal-setting presentation. I've done something called Kids Safe, which was a uh, like a stranger awareness type uh, presentation. I've done a bully-proof presentation, which is an anti-bullying presentation. Um, there are different ones, uh, but this is going to be pretty general, and I'm going to let you make your own presentation. Although I'm going to talk a little bit more about my Go After My Goals, Go After Your Goals presentation. Um, so part one of any one that you do, though, should be the introduction and talking about the free gift today. So quickly introduce who you are, what school you're from, right? And that you're a black belt in this style or something like that. Make it cool. And just a really quick introduction. And then say, and today, if you follow three rules, everyone in here is going to get a free gift. <laughs> I mean, just as soon as you say that, you'll have the whole group like, what? A free gift? That's so cool. Like, they don't even know what it is. They're just like really, really excited by this idea, especially the younger grade levels. So make it fun. That's why these presentations are so awesome. They're just a really good time. But you have to follow the three rules, everyone, okay? Rule number one is having great behavior, just being very focused, okay? And you're kind of getting them to do that with you, right? And then rule number two, don't use martial arts on each other. Keep your hands to yourself. You're not going to use these moves at school. You're not going to hurt each other. We're just going to learn some things, okay? Rule number three is have fun, guys. So can y'all do that, right? Yes, sir. Of course. And then say, you know, make sure you guys say yes, sir, or no, sir. We want to be very respectful. Um, now, again, if you follow all three of the rules, everyone gets a free gift. It's a special invitation to come back to our school, Global Martial Arts University, this Saturday to take your second lesson for free, a free martial arts lesson. You get to break real boards in front of your parents. 
you get a free karate uniform. You get to earn your first belt, which is your white belt. You get to do all of that just by following the three rules today. Like, who can follow the three rules today? Raise your hand if you want to do all that. And everyone's like raising their hand, and they're all excited about it. So what you've done is you've set up the rules, which are very important, because if they're breaking the rules, you immediately step back, step back into that. And like, I have a very controlled school presentation. It's amazing. I'll have the principal walk in the door, and he'll see like a hundred five and six year olds sitting down with their back straight and their hands on it. He's like, what is going on? Like, who is this guy? And I had people ask me all the time, like, are you a teacher? Like you seem like a school teacher or something because you have a really good classroom management, I guess is what they would call it. So, um, the point is set up the three rules and then make it super exciting about the free gift. Now I realized that you might have had trouble getting this card approved, this flyer approved, the special event might be a little bit different. It might be an event that is um, supporting a nonprofit organization or all of the funds towards this or that are going towards the PTO or there are different ways you could be setting it up. But if you're able to get something approved to hand out to the kids and they get to come back to your school, uh, make it a special event though. So it's a special event and then they're getting some free things from it, right? They get a free uniform, they get a free um, belt, well not a free belt, they can earn their belts and then they get to break some real wooden boards and I have the real board in front of me and that's exciting for them. So that's part one is introducing yourself and talking about the free gift. So part two is listening positions. We're going to now teach the students how to stand up and attention stands the right way, right? Like how to bow, how to sit down properly. This is really important. This is really important in an introductory lesson the first time you teach any student martial arts. And it's really important here because it's going to allow you to have much better control over the entire group and also start teaching some character benefits immediately. So, you know, have everyone stand up, have them all do attention stands. Make it fun, right? Everyone's standing really still. I want to see who can stand like a statue. You walk around. You kind of like land your hand on someone's shoulder or head. You kind of wave in front of their face. Make funny faces. Try to make them laugh. Whatever, right? Make it fun. But you're teaching them the importance of controlling their body with their mind. And if they can control their body, they're going to also be able to control their mind and be able to do great things. So whenever you're in class... And you can control your body, you can control your mind, you can focus on the teacher, you can focus on your work, you can make a really good grade on all of your work, on your tests, you can be super creative. Um, and that's the things we're talking about, right? So we're attaching the mental benefit, the character to, character benefit to the martial arts uh, thing itself, when this, which is in this case the attention stance. So next, I usually teach the students legs locked, which is what we call the position where they're sitting with their legs crossed, their hands are on their knees, their back is straight. And like, and I say, hey, everyone repeat after me, hands are on my knees. And they all say, my back is straight. My eyes are on you, sir. And remember, if you look at someone in their eyes the entire time they are talking to you, you will learn 90% more. You're so much more engaged in what they're telling you. You're actually present in that conversation. And as I'm saying all these things, I'm walking around, I'm running around the room. Guys, make sure your eyes are on me. And it's just a lot of fun. And then uh, you can have them all race back to attention stands. I usually do that. Like when, as soon as, whenever I say attention, I want to see who stands up as fast as I can, uh, who, who stands up as fast as they can. Let's see if you can beat me. Ready, set, attention, or ready, set, banana, or just, you know, play around with it and things like that. And then I teach them how to do a bow. And then I also have them turn and they bow to all the teachers. We always have great respect for our teachers and do what they tell us to because they care about us and they love us. And when they tell us to do something, it's because they know it's for our own good. So that's a really important conversation there. A quick note on respect and why we bow in martial arts. 
and then have them all sit back down, legs locked. And, um, you know, that was basically the teaching of listening positions. Now, whenever you want them to stand up in attention, they can stand up and say, yes, sir. They can sit down in legs locked position. And they know these things now for the rest of the presentation, which really comes in handy, especially when you're working with like kinder first grade. They really needed that at the beginning. So we're going to go into part three, which is the main presentation itself. So just depending on what type of presentation you have. So just as an example, let's say I was doing the go after your goals presentation. Today we're going to learn how to set and reach your goals, a way to set and reach any goal that you want to in your life. So like your goal today is to follow all three rules and then come back to our school this Saturday and earn your white belt, which is the first martial arts goal that you can achieve. And then someday you can even become a black belt. So it was just about presenting a concept, um, which in this case was a goal, and then also tying that concept to martial arts and even to coming back to our school, which is something we would like them to want to do. And then in the, the main part of the presentation, what you're really going to do is present a quality or a skill or a word or something, and then you're going to relate it to school. So for example, let's say accuracy is in your presentation and you're talking about the importance of being able to focus to have accuracy and pay attention to your target. Um, and you can relate that to having accuracy and doing the work right so that you get the right answer in a math problem. You might even do a math problem really quick on the whiteboard with all the students, right? Depending on their age, their grade level. So you're trying to be interactive is what I'm saying. You're being interactive in a way that allows you to still control the floor in the room and you're relating this concept to school or use some other metaphors such as being accurate like when you're playing basketball if you're looking at the hoop and you line your hand up you're able to shoot it and, and score uh, you know get your two points or three pointer and um, you're, you're making it understandable by kids and then you attach it to martial arts so your accuracy might be related to kicking a specific spot or hitting an exact spot on a bag or in my presentation I actually did a wrist grab defense and if you didn't rotate your hand just right it wasn't an accurate technique. It was not going to work. So typically after I present this quality or this skill, talking about it, making it a little bit interactive, and then I have a volunteer come up and they help me demonstrate something. So like in this case, for accuracy, I would have them come up and act like a big scary stranger that was grabbing my wrist and trying to take me away, and then I would have to do the defense. That's super fun. I mean, to have a six, seven-year-old act like a stranger trying to pull you around and stuff. But the point is you make it fun, you make it funny, you demonstrate it, and they're like, that's cool, I want to know how to do that. So then you have everyone stand up, they actually practice the martial arts technique with you, such as the wrist grab defense in this case. They do it a few times in the air, they do it a few times, then have them sit down and have a few students, choose a few students that really want to come up and show you, and they actually do it with you. So you actually grab their wrist, and then they do the defense. And again, that's more like interaction, where students get to be a part of it, and they're laughing, and they think it's funny to watch their friends either do it well or make mistakes, whatever it might be. So you do this with other concepts during your presentation, just kind of building on, adding on to whatever you're teaching. Mix in talking, volunteers helping you out, everyone getting to do some repetitions in the air, and maybe a few students being tested in front of everyone else. Sometimes you might even have a teacher come and help you out, which the kids really, really like. Um, so you're just being serendipitous about it sometimes, but you also want to have, like the way I explain it is I have my presentation. I know what topics I'm going to talk about. I know what I'm going to have the kids do, but I let the moment 
come and just take me. So sometimes there's a particular kid that's just being really funny or a teacher that I'm getting along with really well and I have them help me out with something and you just make adjustments depending on what's going on and I had just had some incredible school presentations because of that. I didn't have to stick to exactly minute by minute. This is exactly what I say. This is exactly what I do. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I know the most important things that are going to happen. Um, but the point is there's a good rhythm that happens. Like you, you talk about the character, the school benefit of a topic. You have someone help you out on a demonstration. You have everyone get repetition in. Then you have the students be tested on something, just like three or four of them. Then you move on to the next thing. And so they're standing some, they're sitting some, they're moving some, and it allows you to not get a group of, you know, young kids get really fidgety on you while you're talking for 10 minutes straight, which would be a terrible idea. Um, another great idea is to have a few students come and try to break a re-breakable board during your presentation. Especially if you have, if you want them to come and try to break a real wooden board um, that Saturday morning at your event, this gives them a chance to see if they can break the re-breakable board, right? So again, only a few students are going to have to do it. You're not going to have everyone line up and do this, but they'll they'll really enjoy this, and it's a good time. And then it gives you a chance to excite everyone else. Like, hey, you didn't get to break today, but you get to come on Saturday. Everyone that comes on Saturday gets to break a real wooden board just like this one. And you can try and see if you can do that. So part four is closing. This is when you're finishing out your presentation. You quickly recap everything. You tie it all together and say something like, since you did so great, everyone in here is going to get the free gift. Now, if you had a couple of students that really misbehaved, um, you could tell the teachers and ask them to not give them this and hold off until they behave well or something like that. Like have integrity in the things that you said. If all three, I mean, if you had the three rules and the group was just absolutely awful, maybe you have to make an adjustment. Uh, integrity and following through on what you say is always most important. Uh, but make it exciting. You know, tell them that their teachers will be giving them their invitation in the classroom. You know, tell the group, this is something that we would do. Now, you may or may not want to do it, but we would say that we only have 10 spots available for the free class this Saturday morning at 10 a.m. So when you get home today, make sure you ask your parents to call today to reserve your spot. That way you can definitely come on Saturday morning. And if you just can't make it Saturday, maybe you have a soccer game or you have something else going on because you're busy, have your parents call and you could set up your second lesson um, on another day next week, okay? So... We gotta get them excited, right? Oh man, we, we had the kids so excited that they would be asking their teachers for the cards. Because I know if they don't, sometimes the teachers just will forget or not even give them the cards. And then also when they get home, then they're like, okay, it might be in the folder, maybe the parents see it, maybe they don't. But we would have people that as soon as school got out, we'd have like five, six people call immediately. And the parents were like, yeah, he just came home and said he was so excited. Like, we've got to come Saturday morning. And we would have some people come on Saturday morning that sometimes didn't even sign up. But they just had to come because their child was so darn excited about the idea. And that's great, though. That's great that you were able to make it so uh, exciting and something that they're looking forward to um, through your presentation. So some final notes on this is you really want to embed yourself as a partner in education with this particular school for the long term, like I've mentioned before. So after your presentation, make sure you had brought a thank you gift for the PE teacher or whoever your main contact was who set up this visit. I usually had a handwritten thank you note with a nice chocolate bar or something like that in the gift bag that I would give them. And they were just like, wow, this is amazing. Like if anything, I should be, they always said this, not, not always, but oftentimes they're like, I feel like I should be giving you a thank you card or some sort of thank you gift. You came out here, you did all this for me all day for free. Kids absolutely loved it. And you're the one who's giving me a gift. 
But that's how I always like to be. And I mean, I always did that with my author visit presentations. And of course, sometimes you'll get some sort of thank you card or note as well. But the biggest thank you is actually getting to interact and have the opportunity with the kids that day and then getting to have new students enroll into your school and train with you. Now, we took these things to the next level. So like we were like, how could we get the kids to talk about us all week and think about what we're doing beyond just after that day on Tuesday whenever we saw them? So what we did is we created those silicone wristbands which were all the rage back in this period of time. They're not as popular now, but we had a silicone wristband that said, go after your goals. And then it had our martial arts school logo on there. And this wristband I actually wore like every day for over a year because it was a reminder for the goals I was achieving at that period of time. And um, the idea was for them to wear it all week and remember that their goal is to earn their white belts on Saturday or any other goal that you're trying to achieve in your life. Just look down on that and it would remind you of it. So that was one idea. Another idea that was kind of interesting is we got this really nice looking motivational poster designed and printed. It was like two feet by three feet or something. It was pretty good size. And I'm pretty sure it said respect on it with a really nice looking uh, photograph of one of our students that we had professionally taken with our school's logo on it and everything. And then it had like the definition of respect or something like that. It was like a motivational poster you'd see in a gym or a, or a classroom at a school. It looked very nice though. And we gave it as a gift to the PE teacher to put up and they were would hopefully put it up on the wall and it would be there for years to come. Now, I don't know how many of them are actually up still, but I do have a funny story about this, is that my wife uh, was an elementary school teacher and she went to work at a school as an elementary school teacher uh, four years after I did a school presentation there. And when I walked into the gym, it was still on the wall on the gym. I'm like, this is so awesome. Like everyone in the community, the kids that are in here, are seeing this and they know that we're partners in education with them. This is several years later. So that was just an idea that we had. It's kind of like that idea of giving um, teachers a mug with your logo on it or something else that would even last more long term. And what was interesting about this, it wasn't just for the teacher itself who might quit and move to another school. It was actually something that was put into the school itself. So maybe that would give you ideas to consider as well. So I have a whopper of a question from Levi Potter, and that is, what is the best way to become a better instructor? Well, obviously the answer is listen to Rank Up every single Wednesday whenever it releases, and that's about it. Okay, well, actually, I'm going to add a few things to that, Levi. So one is always be a student, pushing yourself to greatest depths of understanding, and even physical challenges within your current art or learning completely new arts will help, right? So we have, as martial arts instructors, it's so easy to stop your own training because you get so busy teaching several classes a day and running the business and this and that. It's like, I don't even have time anymore to do my own training. But by always being a student, either for your current art that you instruct and or learning a completely new art, it's going to allow you to see other aspects of the martial arts. It's going to allow you to learn from other instructors because you're actually a student yourself. And you're also remembering what it's like, the difficulties of learning some of these basic concepts and being a complete newbie again. And that's going to help you when you're teaching your beginners. It's going to help you whenever, let's say, you're even an advanced student and you're being pushed by these completely new types of drills. And you're going to be creating new drills for your advanced students. So always being a student yourself is very important. Um, I would also, along the same line, set training goals that are exciting for you as a martial artist. When you've done martial arts for 20 years and it's something that's been a part of your life for a long time, you go through the ebb and the flow of it. But by setting an exciting training goal that will push you to the next level and challenge you, 
that that's something that I highly recommend. So I did this. It was right after Christmas, and I was like, you know what? I really want to do something big this next year. I want to do something that really forces me to level up myself as a martial artist and as an instructor. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Okinawa. I've always wanted to go there. And I, I found some instructors and planned it all out. And I'm like, so what I did, though, when I was training every week and doing my own martial arts training sessions, I, ha- I, was, I had a renewed uh, sense of motivation because I was like, oh, i got to get ready. This is going to be really hard. This is going to be really intense. Um, these guys are hardcore over there in Okinawa. So I pushed myself, and I couldn't just stop and slow down because, you know, uh, nothing's happening. I actually had a reason is what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, traveling somewhere like Japan or China or Brazil or Thailand and doing a, a traincation, as they call them, is a cool idea. Uh, attending a seminar, like I just went to a four-day um, Okinawan Kabuto seminar myself about a week and a half ago, which was great. That was another little goal that got me to train a little bit harder and get ready for that. Uh, you could com- compete in a tournament. That's another really great way to prepare yourself and push yourself. Uh, and these do make you a better martial arts instructor as well. So another thing is attending or taking part in instructor training seminars, conferences, courses. So going in person to a martial arts instructor conference, doing something like the CMAT, the Certified Martial Arts Teacher Course and Certification, something where not only are you learning new concepts, but you're being graded and you're being, uh, you're getting feedback and you're receiving information from a mentor that's actually telling you you're doing this well, you're not doing this well. That's very helpful. It could be online courses or offline. Another idea is something that most people probably don't do, but that's visiting someone that you respect that is very successful. This could be for if you want to be a great surgeon or if you want to be a great martial arts instructor or an author or a director or whatever it is, go and spend time with someone who's very successful that you look up to. I actually did this, um, this was back in I think 2010 when I was newer to running my full-time school, but there was a guy named, or there, there is a guy named John Gaston, and he is uh, out of Springfield, Illinois. He's a really great guy, and I reached out to him because I saw that his school was doing really well. I think it had like 700 students, and he's a really good instructor and great reviews. People clearly love him and love what he does, and I actually went out there for two days just to watch classes, to watch how he interacts, to watch how he teaches, how he works with his staff, how he does everything. Um, that was extremely beneficial. I took so many notes, and I was actually there in the middle of it. So that's something I would recommend. If there's an instructor that you really like or someone who you know that is very successful and you want to learn how they do what they do, just ask them, hey, do you mind if I fly over there and spend a couple of days watching some of your classes, maybe be a student in a few of your classes, etc.? cetera? Uh, something that, again, not many people do. Um, reading books, watching videos, looking for new ideas for drills, warm-ups, games, etc., um, a friend of mine just showed me this book called 101 Martial Arts Drills. I didn't, I'd never heard of it, and I was flipping through it, and some of them were totally new to me. I'm like, this is really cool. Um, and I found some things online, and in my own classes last week, I did some new drills that I've never done before. Um, so that's very, very helpful. It's helping me be more creative. Another idea is to film your, yourself teaching an entire class, and then send it to a mentor uh, for review, and then also to review it yourself. You could also tell your student base, hey, we're filming this class. I'm going to use parts of it on social media just so we can promote the school. Again, you could have multiple purposes. You could be reviewing yourself. You could be taking notes. You could have someone else, a mentor of yours, a friend, review how you did. And then you could take snippets from that and actually use it for like social media posts and things like that. Um, another idea is to give your students an anonymous survey sometimes, such as once or twice a year. You might be surprised what you learn. If it's not an anonymous survey, I you're not really going to get 
the type of feedback you want. The problem is most of your families, your students, whether they're adults or kids, they really like you. They really respect you. Even if they think that you can improve on a couple of things here and there, they're probably not going to tell it to you to your face, even if you ask them. Like, no, 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 sincerely, can you just tell me what I can improve on? The majority of people will not actually tell you the truth. But if you can do some sort of anonymous survey where um, you email it out and they don't, you know, you, they know it's anonymous, or you give them a paper and they just drop it into a box, and as a thank you, uh, you give them a T-shirt or whatever you want to do with it. I don't know. You don't even have to give them a thank you gift. Usually, people just want to help with feedback. But uh, you'd be surprised what you would find out. Another really important thing to make you a better instructor is to keep a cancellation log. You need to know exactly why every single student quits. You need to put the date that they quit, exactly what happened, what led to it, um, for your own records. Now, again, it's not always your fault. Um, I used to take it personally. Like, anytime someone quit, I'm like, okay, this was my fault. Like, it's because I need to improve on this or that. And the thing is, sometimes it is your fault. And sometimes there are things you will learn from it. And other times you'll find patterns and just financial challenges or other things, maybe something you could address in a different way, such as helping that family out by giving giving them a free month while they get back on their feet or other things, other patterns that you might look out to help or by replacing their membership with one for another family member, etc. And you need to know why a student begins their training with you anyway. When it comes back to why you teach, why you're a teacher anyway, it's because you're trying to help your students reach their goals. And oftentimes they know exactly what they want and sometimes they don't. But you need to be you know, cognizant of what it is that they're trying to achieve with you. If you don't know what the end result looks like, you won't have a roadmap for success. This is extremely important because you could be in this vicious cycle of trying to become a better instructor. You don't really know what a better instructor looks like. It's not about you being better. It's about your students being better. It's about your students learning more faster with less hiccups. That's what you're doing. That's what your job is. That's what your purpose is. It's not just you looking more polished and having the perfect metaphor and you know making everyone laugh at this exact moment of your class. That feels great, obviously, but at the end of the day, that's not what your purpose is. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Really looking forward to the next episode, which is part three, where we're actually going to talk about how to enroll those new students that are coming in on Saturday morning from our school talk. How are we going to do that? And that's something that we're going to go over in great detail. As always, ask questions. I'd love to answer more questions in future episodes. You can ask a question, and I hope you guys continue to train hard, uh, take care, and continue spreading abundance.